you so much that we can gather here together and honor you, not only by singing to you, but also by hearing your word read and listening to your word proclaimed. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come now and enliven your word to our hearts, that we might hear it and embrace it and apply it to ourselves and begin to walk it out in honor and praise to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd fill me to bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brothers, You are my people, and to your sisters you have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband that she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born and make her like a wilderness and make her like a parched land and kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy because they are children of whoredom, for their mother has played the whore. He who, she who conceived them has acted shamefully." For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will hedge her up, uh, hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. When she shall, then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than now. And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Therefore I will take back my grain in its time, and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And I will put an end to all her mirth, 
her feasts, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her appointed feasts. And I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages, which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them, and I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them, and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry, and went after her lovers, and forgot me, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and bring her into the wilderness, and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards, and make the valley of Ahor a door of hope. And there she shall answer, as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, the war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil. They shall answer Jezreel, and I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy, and I will say to my, not my people, you are my people, and he shall say, you are my God. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, it'd be easy to think, look, even looking around us, you know, that the church has had its day, that the church is declining, that the church is weak, uh, that the church is moving backwards while Islam is maybe moving forwards or atheism is moving forward and so on and so forth. But if we said that, if that was our opinion, we would only be looking at Western nations. Because around the world in this day, the church of Jesus Christ is making massive strides forward. In Iran, there is one of the greatest awakenings that has ever happened in that land going on right now. In China, uh, many thousands are coming to faith every single day. And I believe the day will come when the, the United Nations shall declare China a Christian nation. In Brazil, the gospel is going forth in power. The fastest growth of the gospel all around the world right now is on the continent of Africa. The church is moving forward in great strides. The church is moving forward in great power almost everywhere around the world except in the West. Except in Europe, the United States, Canada, and other Western nations. And we might think, well, why is this happening? And I believe that God is speaking to the Western church through the words of Hosea in this day and in this hour. And the message that God is speaking, while in some respects is rather strong and forcefully worded, at the same time it's a message of hope, it's a message of promise, and it's a message that God has not forgotten the church in the West, that the day is coming when tremendous things are going to be happening once again in the church in the West. But the call right now of God on Christians like ourselves here in uh, the United Kingdom and on Christians all around the Western nation, the call right now by God is a call to faithfulness. It's a call to faithfulness. 
Now, there are many insights in these first two chapters in Hosea about why our situation has become so desperate. And I'll just mention a few things. You know, Hosea has a really strange time here. He's told by God to go marry a prostitute and have children by this prostitute. Now, I'm thankful that God did not tell me to do that. And if God did tell me, I think I would ask for extra identification probably. You know, a burning bush or something. But here, Hosea does. And the first child that he has is named Jezreel. And it speaks to, uh, in, uh, and I won't, uh, again, I won't explain all the passage in terms of its historical setting because that would take us much more time than we have. But in our context, it speaks to the Western church of our tendency toward trying to achieve things by power, by force, and even by violence. All around, you think, many Christians, and I see this a lot in the States, where Christians think that we will change the nation if we get the right political party in place and the right number of Christians in political power. We tend to do violence to one another. And many churches, criticism and fault-finding and backbinding, and amongst churches, there's this violence, and that's exactly why God was punishing uh, the northern kingdom of Israel for their excessive violence. Jehu destroyed the prophets of Baal there and and Jezebel in Jezreel, but he went even beyond that. And then he says, the next child is called no compassion or no mercy. How would you like to be named that, ladies? You know, mercy is a beautiful name, but oh yeah, my parents called me no mercy. No mercy. And what is this about? You know, it is about the tendency for the church in the West, one, to show unsanctified mercy, to be merciful toward things that it shouldn't be merciful toward, and then at the, at the same time, at the same time, not to have compassion on the peoples around us, <coughs> excuse me, but instead to become a church that is known more by what we are against than what we stand for. Many people outside the body of Christ, they look at the church and they say, well, they're, they're against gay people, they're against this, they're against that, they're against that. And yes, you know, homosexuality, uh, homosexual practice is sin. You know, the Bible is clear on that. But we're known by what we're against, not by what we're for, and we're known by what we give mercy to that God doesn't give mercy to. And then the third kind of dynamic, it comes from that, that name, not my people, really speaks to the kind of compromise that has happened in the body of Christ all across the Western nations. There's a level of compromise and worldliness that has entered into us and entered into our lives, entered into our situation. You know, that is not a godly thing where we have capitulated to the world in many respects and sometimes as a church we've become more like the world than like the genuine body of Christ as revealed in the scripture. And we see this, and God's judgment against it is very strong. And we see that the church has become weak and the church has decreased. But not only that, the church we discover here in chapter 2, the Western church, has become compromised by idolatry. If you think about it, we tend to worship celebrities albeit Christian celebrities, every bit as much as the world worships the secular celebrities. How many times do we go to a conference because there's a big name speaker that's on there? 
And how many times do we, we look for worship CDs just because they're by a certain person or a certain movement rather than seeking uh, whether they're after, actually after the heart of God? We tend to compromise ourselves with power and we think that, that we need to get power in order to have influence in our society. And we worship at the idol of power so often. We worship at the idol of mammon. You know, money, thinking if we just had the right kind of money, if we just had the right kind of uh, uh, prestige and influence because of our financial resources, then we would have what we need. Or we begin to think uh, we need the, the techniques that, is u- that are being used by the world around us. And so many churches try to mimic an American style of management for leading their churches. Or an American style of leadership. For leading, the, for leading the churches. And we begin to look for things that seem to be working in the world around us and looking to them for our success, thinking that if we just bring in the right techniques, the right practices, uh, the right music, the right style, then finally we're going to reach people with the gospel. Finally we're going to bring them in. But just as Hosea says... You know, he talks about Israel running after the Baals, running after these practices, but never quite catching up. The church runs after all these practices, but never quite catches up. Never quite catches up. We can never get caught up with technology. We can never match the world in terms of of the kinds of things that it's doing. But we try and we try and we try thinking that that's going to be our key to success, not that God is going to be our key to success, and not that having a relationship with God is what it takes. And in many places, the Western church has been exposed as weak and powerless. We have all kinds of resources. We have all kinds of books. We have all kinds of of money. And yet, we're not growing as fast as the persecuted church in Iran. We're not growing like the church in China. We're not growing like the church in Brazil. We're not growing like the church is growing in many other places all around the world. Even though we've brought all of these things to the table. We've tried all these programs and all of these techniques and all of these things and yet we continue to decline but that's not the way God's going to keep us we can say why has God allowed this to happen but in a sense it's as if God has drawn us out into the wilderness therefore verse 14 of chapter 2 I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her God has brought us to this situation of weakness. God has brought us to this situation of brokenness. God has exposed a lot of the powerlessness that is there in the Western church in order to draw us to Himself, to give us a hunger again for the presence of God and a hunger again for fellowship with God, a hunger again to experience God so that we can know that in, when we're in the valley of trouble, we're in when the, uh, the valley of Ahor, that is the place of hope. 
And even though it might look like our backs are to the wall, and even though it might look like the church is going to decline, and even though it might look like in many nations the church is about to disappear, God's saying, no, that's not the truth. Because I am coming, I'm drawing my people back to me, and I am going to meet with them, and I'm going to pour out revival upon them, and I'm going to empower them, and I'm going to draw them back to me, and I am going to form them and make them into the people that I have desired them to be and they will be betrothed to me and they will know me they will know my power they will be there in justice and righteousness and love and in mercy and in faithfulness and we will know the Lord and that is God's promise for us and it's a promise for us in this day and it's a promise for us that's sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross so even though God might speak some harsh things to us as the body of Christ, as the church. And even though in many places around the West, the church is weak and compromised and terribly exposed, God says, no, I'm drawing my people back. I'm gathering my people together. I'm not going to allow this situation to continue. Even though I have dealt harshly Once again, I will deal with my church and my people in love and in gentleness and the whole world will know that these are my people. And Jesus is the promise. Jesus is the guarantee. And all those who come to Jesus can come into fellowship with the Father. Even though our days might seem rather dark and difficult and troublesome, The dawn is on the horizon when we will see yet again God forming a people all across the West who love Him and who call Him Father through Jesus the Son. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we come to You, we repent of our own tendency toward criticism or violence toward others, Maybe not physical violence, but verbal violence. We choose to repent of our own tendency to have mercy on things on which you don't have mercy and then not be merciful to others when it's called for. We repent of our own worldliness and compromise in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would expose all idolatry in our lives all the ways that we in our churches have been looking to worldly methods for success, to worldly factors to make a difference and grow and reach people with the gospel. And Father, I pray that you just begin to fulfill that promise, that as you've drawn us out into the wilderness, you will speak tenderly to us. You will draw us back to yourself. Uh, we will love you again and have fellowship with you in intimacy and in truth. Let's stand together, shall we?